0: Hello, and welcome to the Spring Podcast, where socialist ideas take action. I am your host, Laura Conrad. The Spring Podcast is recorded from Mi'kmaq, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people, and is produced by the Spring Socialist Network. Welcome, everyone. On today's episode, we are going to be talking to Elise Lai about
1: the labor movement in Ontario. Welcome, Elise. Thank you so much, Laura, and thank you to Spring Magazine for hosting this podcast today. Elise is a decent work activist living and working across Turtle
0: Island. She is a member and writer at Spring Magazine and a QP 1281 member. So, Elise, you have been involved with the labor movement for some time. Can you share how you first got involved?
1: For sure. Um, So I've been involved in social movements for just under 10 years, so about a decade, which is wild for me to think about. (laughs) Um, But I've always been interested in making a difference and trying to make the world a more just place. So I've been a QP1281 union member for about three or four years. And through being a union member and a worker, I've learned more about the intersections between labor and other social movements, and how they align and how they can work together to create a more just world for everyone. And I first got involved with QP Twelve Video 1281 honestly just from a newsletter email that was sent to me. They were looking for a communications officer and a lot of the work that I've done in the past in social movements have involved social media or letter writing. Um, so I saw that opportunity and I definitely step, stepped up and I decided to take it.
0: Why do you think it's important for young people to get involved in the labor movement?
1: I think it's really, really important for young people to get involved in the labor movement because there are so many decisions that are being made that we're not a part of, that greatly impact our lives now, but also have future implications on the world we're in now. And these uh, decisions that are being made are being made in the labor movement, but they're also being made by our municipal, provincial and federal governments. I definitely know that it's hard as a young worker to be the person bringing forward interventions that maybe not everyone agrees with. Um, But it's important that we have to remember that we need to be continuing to educate, agitate, and organize if we want to see change in the world. Um, I also think the labor movement, um, as well as Spring Magazine, have actually been really amazing places for me personally to build and develop skills. So, for example, learning how to organize a campaign, chair a meeting, deliver presentations, co-host a podcast, and more. It's definitely been a great place for me to personally develop my skills. Um, and while I just mentioned uh, that I co-host a podcast, folks can also feel free to listen to the podcast that I co-host, which is called CUPEcast, uh, which is CUPE Ontario's official podcast. So, folks can listen by going to C-U-P-E dot o n dot c a slash c u p e c a s t
0: amazing um maybe we can talk about what the most pressing labor issues are in ontario right now
1: yeah, that's an amazing question. Definitely a bit of a difficult one. Um, but if I had to pin down um and talk about a few pressing labor issues, one of the ones that I would have to talk about is the need for all workers to have an adequate amount of permanent employer-paid sick days. Near the start of the pandemic, which was about two ish years ago, the uh, Decent Work and Health Network had a report called Before It's Too Late that came out. And while it did cam- come out about two years ago, it's still extremely relevant. And the data revealed that around 58% of workers in the settler colonial state of Canada and over 70% of workers are making less than $25,000 have no access to paid sick days. Most of these workers are low-wage racialized workers who have faced higher positive testing rates of COVID-19 and have also faced negative economic impacts. Um, And this includes struggling to pay for food, internet, rent, phone, transportation, childcare, and many other bills. COVID-19 has really, really exacerbated the inequities between systemic racism and the healthcare system. However, we also know that we needed paid sick days before the pandemic, and we'll still definitely need them afterwards as well. Research has shown time and time again that racialized workers living on low incomes are at higher risk of acute and chronic illness and death. Many low-wage workers and people in low-wage jobs are also occupations with a higher risk of exposure to COVID-19. So this means that the racialized racialized workers who have needed paid sick days the most have been denied at this rate. Many racialized workers also take public transportation and have also talked about how taking packed buses to work where social distancing is just not possible at all. And while these issues greatly impact racialized communities, it also really impacts everyone because it's a threat to public health. Additionally, uh, many other COVID-19 cases have been linked to long-term care, Um, so this is where workers are mostly racialized women who are earning low wages, and when these workers have been denied paid sick days, we've seen many of the racialized women workers die, um, but also the patients and the clients that they care for, which are mostly elderly and immunocompromised people. No one should have to die, and no one should ever have to choose between going to work sick and losing pay. Another major issue that I would definitely want to talk about um, that's impacting workers is Bill 124. So Bill 124 was introduced into the Ontario legislature by the Ford government, and it limits the increase in total compensation, so wages plus benefits, in a collective agreement to 1% per year. And this mere 1% does not keep up with inflation frontline workers, especially healthcare and public service workers who are impacted by this bill have been exploited throughout the pandemic, even though they're continuing to do life-saving and essential work for everyone. Many of the people impacted by Bill 124 are also women who make up a large demographic of the education and care work sectors, including racialized women who make up a large demographic of personal support workers, early childcare, educators, and more. I also wanted to mention that the uh, currently several unions in Ontario have a charter challenge in the courts right now um, because Bill 124 also violates our collective bargaining rights as well. So definitely paid sick days and Bill 124, I think are two really massive uh, impacts that our um, people in Ontario are facing right now.
0: Can we talk a little bit um, more about the current Ford government in Ontario, they've recently launched a campaign claiming that they are working for workers. Do you buy into that? How have workers truly fared under this conservative
1: rule? So I, Definitely, definitely do not buy into the Ford government being for the people or for the workers. Um, I actually remember that campaign when they first came out um, in 2018 when they, when Ford was running for election. Um, but over the course of this current government's time and power, they've made cutbacks to the minimum wage, paid sick days, cuts to health care and education and public services in general. They've also frozen wages and they've made cuts to services supporting people and children with autism. If the Ford government was really for the workers, they wouldn't have made any of those cuts or changes to services. Instead, the Ford government has chosen to maintain their friendships and alliances with big businesses that continue to see record profits, all while workers are continuing to be exploited. People have also seen crucial surgeries being put on hold. We're seeing people fall unnecessarily ill. Many people still do not have access to housing and food. And Also, we've seen so many preventable deaths happen. There have been so many cuts that it's really hard to keep track of them. However, I did want to mention that the Ontario Federation of Labour actually has this incredible online tool called the Ford Tracker. And the Ford Tracker documents all of the cuts to services and funding that workers and our communities continue to be impacted by. So I definitely encourage folks listening into today's conversation to check out the Ford Tracker. And the website where you can check out the Ford Tracker is www.ofl.ca forward-tracker.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Ontario is heading into an election on June the 2nd. What are your expectations from this election?
1: Well, it's a, it's a bit of a tough question. In terms of winning the election, I find it really, really hard to gauge. I don't know about you, um, but I feel like all of the numbers and the charts online are always like skewed by political parties. And I find it hard to kind of trust a lot of the media out there. But I'm pretty confident that the Ford government won't be elected into a majority government in Ontario. Um, and that's because workers and communities have been organizing over the last few years, ever since Ford stepped into office in 2018. And on May 1st, um, which is also known as May Day or International Day of the Worker, there's workers around the entire world organizing for better labour rights. And here in Ontario, folks are also organizing a province-wide day of action. So there's actually about 12 actions planned right now in partnership with the Ontario Federation of Labour. So there's marches and rallies happening from Oshawa to Ottawa, Toronto to Windsor, Waterloo to Brampton and more. Folks are going to be using this momentum heading into the provincial election and push for stronger policies from all parties. I think it's important to note that no matter what party wins, we will still need to organize, organize, organize. Because there's not one party running that's going to uplift and empower all workers and communities. We need to continue to do that work ourselves. Um, And if folks are interested in getting involved in the Mayday actions, I encourage folks to check out OFL.ca slash may-one-local-actions. And on that page, you'll be able to see all of the details for all the different actions that are being organized. Um, And if you are interested in organizing an action that isn't actually on that page, you can feel free to go to the ofl.ca website. And on that page, you'll be able to see contact information uh, for folks that you can get in touch with to organize an action near you.
0: What can we do to win pro-worker policies?
1: Well, I think seeing such a large organization like the Ontario Federation of Labour taking on such a leading role on organizing for a province-wide Day of Action means that socialists can share our ideas with new and more people and continue to build our capacity into creating a stronger and larger movement for decent work, environmental justice, racial justice, and more. Socialists know that we need to be organizing every day of the year, and an opportunity to bring in new people is always a great idea. I think it's also really important for socialists to remember that not everyone has perfect politics, or all of the politics that you agree with, but we need to continue to educate and build new links and build more activists. I think it's also really important that we aren't too cynical, uh, which can definitely be hard um, because we're definitely in trying times right now. But we also need to remind people that we need to be hopeful and that we're stronger together and can make change.
0: Could you share with our listeners what are the next steps in making May 1 Day of Action successful?
1: For sure. So I'm not sure when this podcast is being released, but if it's released before April 19th, I would definitely encourage uh, folks in Ontario to attend the Ontario Federation of Labour. They're hosting a province-wide meeting on April 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And at this meeting, uh, folks around the province will be sharing updates about their organizing actions. And it's definitely a meeting that you don't want to miss. I think it'll be really inspiring to hear what's happening across the province. Um, But also, I think now is the time for folks really to be following up with all the people you've already invited um, to the May 1st action to definitely confirm that they will still be attending. It's also now the time for you to follow up um, and also maybe invite people that you forgot about or haven't had the chance to invite just yet. You can also use this time to do any sort of flyering in your community, um, any door-to-door knocking and canvassing, um, as well as maybe hosting a phone bank. So calling up people from your union um, or people from your labor council's Listerv um, and inviting them to the action.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, Can you talk about what it takes to show up consistently as a labor activist What challenges do labor activists in particular face in terms of maintaining their energy and mental well-being?
1: That's a great question. Hmm. I guess like some of the challenges um, that I experience is that... well, a lot of folks who are labor activists, of course, already do have a job. So it's like you have your full time job and then you're doing all this additional activist organizing work on the side. So it definitely can take like a huge toll on you. Um, so I think being able to set boundaries and uh, maybe even just like creating like how many hours per week in terms of activism that you can actually um do without feeling that you're going to be burnt out in the future Um, so maybe that's five hours a week that you can do but for some people maybe it's a bit more maybe it's a bit less but I think finding out what the balance is for you is what's really going to be helpful in ensuring that you don't burn out I think um, and we were talking about this a bit before Laura but uh, Laura and I were uh, supposed to do this interview a bit earlier today And midway through the interview, I stopped Laura and I was like, actually, I I don't think I can do this right now. I don't feel the most prepared or mentally ready to do this. Um, And Laura said, no, you know what? That's totally fine. Like we can just continue. We can do this another day and another time. Um, And she kindly rescheduled with me. So I think also knowing when you're at your limit, um, being able to speak up um, and let the person or the organizing group that you're with know that it's a bit too much for you right now and trying to find a way to reschedule whatever it is that you had originally planned. And I think it's also really important to be surrounding yourself with people who are compassionate. Um, So the same way that Laura showed me compassion and empathy when I told her that I needed to take a step back, she confirmed that it was okay and that she was really happy that I could set that boundary. So I think surrounding yourself with people who support you and will help you stay and follow your boundaries is really important.
0: I'm so glad that you shared that with our listeners, Elise. Um, It was such a fine example of self-care in action, Uh, voicing what you need when you're at your limit. That takes a lot of skill, and um, I hope that anyone listening who um, maybe can benefit from that example of setting a boundary and um, finding support in that. So thank you so much for sharing that story, Elise.
1: No worries, Lauren. Thank you again for showing me that type of compassion. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So maybe you could share with
0: everyone to wrap up some contact information if they want to learn uh, more about the Ontario Federation of Labor.
1: For sure. Um, so I definitely encourage folks to follow the Ontario Federation of Labor on social media. So you can follow them at OFL Um, and they're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you can also check out all of the events that are being hosted online by visiting their website, which is www.ofl.ca.
0: Amazing. Thank you uh, so much for carving the time out for this, Elise. I think it's gonna be of great benefit to our listeners. And
1: it was a real privilege to speak with you today. No worries. Thank you so much, Laura, for carving the time out twice for me today. Thank you for listening
0: to the spring podcast. To learn more about spring, visit our website at springmeg.ca. We welcome your feedback, if you have questions or ideas for future podcast episodes, you can send us an email at infospringmag.ca. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast.